Here we go with part two of dating after divorce. You know, I recorded that first episode and had quite a gap, like four hours between the first segment and the second segment within that one episode. And I think that space in between there, uh, got a little bit lost. And so, uh, thanks for coming back for part two. I think I'll be able to, to tie up all the loose ends and add some more helpful content, uh, to help us all in the journey of life and the journey of dating after divorce. So stay tuned. All right, everybody, it's Timmy Gibson here for The Timmy Gibson Show, the podcast where we talk about escaping religion and finding faith, as well as life issues. And today is part two of Dating After Divorce. So I have had a little bit of some technical difficulties. Uh, So this is my third attempt at part two. So let's, uh, let's cross our fingers. <laughs> let's cross our fingers and hope that I, I can get through this because, uh, I, I'm definitely, uh, a little bit on the side of if something doesn't work out several times, then I take that as I probably shouldn't do it. So dating after divorce, I know in the first, uh, episode, you know, I talked about a lot of stuff, and I, I uh, like I mentioned in the very, very beginning intro that the, there was about a four-hour gap between the first part and the second part of that episode. So, you know, I lost a little bit of my train of thought and had interacted with other people with other issues and things going on. And so when I came back, you know, I was a little bit, a little bit in a different headspace. So, woke up this morning and uh, had I uh, took my walk and clear my head, clear my thoughts, and to share a little bit more about uh, a few important things I think to remember. Uh, and this is coming from, you know, firsthand experience, uh, as well as all the couples and the singles that I work with who have gone through divorce or are going through a divorce currently. And even those, you know, it's, it seems that everybody has a little different span of time that it takes to recover and like I mentioned, of course, in the first one, which, by the way, if you haven't heard the the first dating after divorce, definitely you need to listen to that one first to get a context for all this that I'm going to talk about today. But it, it's important. You know, everybody heals at a different pace based upon what activities are uh, that you're investing in, you know, what activities you're engaging in in the healing process. So. I probably mentioned this in the first one. I'm going to definitely highlight that again in the second one. And that is really, I don't think there's any reason not to go to therapy or counseling or to see a coach. Um, I mean, at the bare minimum, at the bare minimum, if you are going through a divorce or have been through a divorce, it's just critically important that you journey well. And sometimes that's a book. Sometimes that's Uh, research on the internet, you know, videos and teachings. But I really think having someone to walk with you is really important. You know, I chose to do counseling and I actually worked with two counselors, one male, one female separately and uh, did about six to eight months. And still um, once a month or every couple months, I'll check in uh, still even to, to, to up now currently Um, but I really went through a six to eight months, what I would consider intense dealing with me, right? Which is what counseling should be about, right? I don't go there to talk about anybody else. I go there to talk about me and, and what I need to learn and what I need to, you know, understand and grow and and, et cetera. So, okay, let me, let me say a couple things here and, uh, then we'll just, we'll just start rambling about all this stuff. Um, why is it so important? Like what one, the re okay, first thing, let me just say this divorce is not failure. Okay. So if, if you've gone through a divorce or are going through a divorce, I know that you're struggling with feeling like a failure. You've let down yourself, your partner, your kids, your friends, your church. If you go to church, there's all these things. And, and that's, that's all part of the journey. 
and it's it's just uh, an inevitable part of of the journey that you can't you can't escape from and it's it's important again to have some kind of a process whether counseling therapy coach a book whatever that can help you journey through all of those emotions because I'll tell you right now if if you're listening to this and you're contemplating a divorce um, I would say don't even think about divorce until you've gone to therapy or counseling. Like I don't understand. And I've met couples like this that, you know, they're getting a divorce and I'm like, well, did you go to counseling? They're like, no, we just knew it wasn't working. I'm like, wow. I, I find that. Well, I don't, I think that's terrible. <laughs> I don't know what other, what, what else to say about that, except I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. Now, if it's an abusive situation, um, you know, clearly something just so terrible. Uh, but, but most any situation is, is workable, you know, it's workable. I, I've helped couples in all kinds of situations to restore, to reconcile, to forgive and to move past, um, various issues of betrayal. So there's, there's always hope, right? It's like Jim Carrey and liar, liar, you're in the dumb and dumber. You're telling me there's a chance, you know, even if there's like an a itty bitty chance, I think that giving or putting effort into the possibility, I think is important. I think it would at least help you with the, the regret, the shame, the guilt, all the things you're going to go through. I think it would at least soothe that because you could feel as though you gave your best, you gave it a shot, you know? And so I think to just jump out of a marriage without going to counseling is, is to quit something without trying is, is how I look at it. Now I know some people say, well, we did try, we tried and tried and we just couldn't. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's like working out at the gym. You know, I could put a certain amount of weight on the bench press and I can't do it. But if I have someone assisting me, I can, right. I didn't say do it for me. Just someone assisting me, someone just helping me, right? Just encouraging me or just honestly letting me know they're there. That's a big part of it. Just having someone to talk through, talk to and talk through your issues and your feelings and your emotions. Because I'll tell you what, divorce is, is a whirlwind and a roller coaster, uh, the worst of roller coasters of an emotional journey. And I just think it's critical to have someone journey with you. So, Okay, I'll stop harping on that, but I think it's important. And here's why. Here's why I think that's so important. If you would like to be in another relationship at some point, most people, now we all went through the stage, right? I know I went through a, a stage where I was like, I'm just going to be a monk. I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. Um, you know, I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to be with anybody. And that, you know, that lasted about a day. <laughs> about 10 minutes, you know? And then I was like, nah, nah, forget that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But I, you know, then also there's different phases and different stages that you go through. You know, I'm just never going to get married. I'm just going to date, you know, I'm just going to have a friends with benefits. Hang on, I'm drinking coffee here. You know, I'm just never going to be committed. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. If that truly is your you know, if that truly is your, your deal. Like if you're like, Hey, I just marriage wasn't for me. Well, I mean that, and that's, there's, there's no shame in that you do you boo. I mean, it's it, whatever, whatever works for you is, is fine. But okay. My latest tattoo is on my neck and it says, know thyself, which is Socrates. They, I think is what they say. Um, that's one of the greatest mysteries of all, all time is, is knowing yourself. And so in order to ever have a great second chance at love, you, you must go through and must journey down the road of self-discovery and be able to smooth out the rough places here. Here's the reality of divorce. Even, even when there's abuse or betrayal or whatever, okay, even in, even in those extreme cases, it's never 100% all the fault of one other person. I say never. Well, it had to be such an extreme case, you know, 
maybe in the most extreme cases, it'd be 99% to 1%. But the reality is it takes two people to, to be married. It takes two people to get along. It takes two people to get divorced. And there's two reasons, two people that cause or are the reason the divorce happened. Now, some people would say, nope, uh, you know, she was abusive or she cheated or he cheated. And that's why, and they're a piece of crap and that's it. And it's over. I was perfect. They were not. Well, that's, you know, that's just ignorance. That's just obtuse. That's just, I mean, honestly, that's kind of narcissistic to believe that you were the perfect one in the relationship. There are no perfect people. And we all know that like con, you know, consciously we know that, but then we get in a situation and all we can do is point our finger at the other person. You know, it reminds me of that text in, in the Bible that, that I, I believe it was Jesus that was referring to judgment. And someone said, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to get the speck out of someone else's eye while they have a plank in their own eye. In other words, what, what that means is, you know, no one can stand in judgment. You know, ye without sin cast the first stone, Jesus said, with the woman that was caught in adultery. And the men, the elders of the church brought this woman before Jesus, you know. And what a, what a beautiful picture of, of, of course, forgiveness and reconciliation and, and, you know, not, not carrying the shame and the guilt from whatever happened that broke your marriage down or the fact that you're divorced. That's, that's people struggle. And I know I did, you know, I, I did too. I, I did too. So, you know, especially as a, as a, as a former evangelical pastor for 30 years, um, yeah, I'm no longer evangelical. I would consider myself more spiritual than anything at this point. Um, you know, Christianity is my, my upbringing and my background, uh, but it's it's definitely not it's definitely not uh, how I resonate now, and you know so there was there was a lot of guilt and shame in in and around this whole idea of getting divorced. You know I had I had failed and I had failed God and myself and my family and my ex and my kids and the church and the people and the I mean you know I, I definitely struggled with with a lot of that uh, initially, um, but again you know I going through the, the therapy really, 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 really helped me, really helped me uh, kind of just wrap my mind around uh, this, this whole journey. And, and now um, I, I really, uh, I, I think I'm being honest here. And when I say that, you know, you'll say things and then you kind of check your heart. Like, is that true, true, like truly true? Um, but I've, I've reconciled it. You know, I, it is what it is. I'm happy. Um, I'm, I'm, I feel healthier than ever and, and not just physically, but I just feel healthy emotionally and I, I feel, uh, clear, you know? Uh, so it, a couple things, uh, if, if you follow my podcast at all, you know, I'm like a squirrel, you know, I go all over the place, but by the end it, it all makes sense. And I hope I tie it all up and it's all like in a neat little box, but you know, it's kind of like junk drawers. You know, my I think my brain sometimes like a junk drawer. A lot of stuff in there, and and picking it all out and getting it all out. And by the time it's all done, it it, it makes sense of what's in there. <laughs> Maybe that's just my justification. <laughs> oh my gosh! So there is that that the the important piece of um, walking through the healing process to get to a place where you you're not just full of guilt and shame and regrets. Um, because again, you know, we're talking about dating after divorce. You don't want to take the collateral damage from your previous relationship into the new, the next relationship. And when you would deny any kind of responsibility, you know, I, I took 100% full responsibility for my actions, for my part in the demise of the relationship. And, and I, I own it. I make no excuses, uh, for anyone else. It, everything was 100% on me. I, I, I have to view it that way. That's the only healthy way to view a divorce is for each individual person to take full responsibility for their part in the demise of the relationship. And it's like my counselor often says, you know, Timmy, keep your eyes on your own page. Keep your eyes on your own page. You're looking in a mirror. 
self-development is about you. You can't blame anyone else for um, anything else. Like you just, you can't blame someone for you, your choices, and and you must take full responsibility. And so that's a key element. I think that's that's an important piece. If in fact, if I, you know, I've I've been dating and in the dating uh, world, you know, when I go out and have coffee with people or whatever, I'm listening to them. You know, if they've been divorced, I'm, I'm my ears are perked up. You know, do they do they talk? Well, one, do they, you know, talk incessantly about the ex? Uh, that's never a good thing. Um, but especially if they talk about their ex in a, in a bad light, you know, if they're bashing and smashing and criticizing and judging their ex, you know, uh, again, we, we've all, we've all been guilty of this, right? I mean, to a certain extent, I think it, it, it's, it's easy to do you know, to get into a little pity party and, you know, I'm the victim and they did this or they didn't do this. And this is why I did this because they did that. I mean, that's, that's, that's human nature. Uh, it's, I don't believe that's healthy though. I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of that. I've never been a fan of that, honestly. Um, you know, another reason why to have a counselor, I think you can go in the counselor's office and you can voice all that frustration and that venom, I think in a, in a, in a safe space, and then they can help you kind of filter through that mess. Uh, but definitely I think doing that with other people outside of a counseling session, I, I, I don't find that people say, well, it's my friend. I don't give a shit. I think, I think bashing your, your ex to uh, friends or family even is terrible that I don't even know. I, I don't even know if I could use the word that I, that comes to my mind. It's absolutely terrible. And, and I don't want to ever do that. I, I haven't done that so far and I hope I never do. Uh, I never want to ever speak evil of, of my ex ever. Um, and so, uh, I just don't think that's a healthy practice in, in moving forward into, especially if you want to be married again or want to be in a committed relationship again, you must take ownership. You must look within yourself because if you were, let's just say you, um, hide from confrontation, you know, you don't like confrontation and so you hide. Okay. Well, that's dysfunctional. And so, you know, if, if, if you take that and go into the next relationship, well, you know, most likely that next relationship is going to blow up because you haven't dealt with your stuff. You know, you haven't, you haven't owned up to your part, uh, of, of the demise of the first relationship and, or not just the demise, but just our own brokenness. You know, we all have issues and, and they'll come up at various times uh, I heard, <laughs> I, I read it in a book, actually the new earth by Eckhart Tolle in the book. He said, you know, when you think you're enlightened, go spend a weekend with your parents <laughs> and, and see how enlightened you are. And, and that uh, caused me much laughter. Um, because you know, oftentimes the, your, your parents and not just parents, but I mean, family in general are the one, they're the one people that can trigger you. And I think, well, that's a whole nother episode, but I think that, that that's the reason that's true is, is, you know, you love, you love your family, right? I mean, you love your family. It's like the ones closest to you can hurt you the most. And that's so sad that that's true, but it's true because obviously I'm just like in the phrase, I mean, it's like, they're the ones closest to you. So, you know, you've let someone in your inner circle, so to speak, whether by birth or by choice. And, you know, when they betray you or hurt you or lie to you or whatever, or even judge you or whatever, it, it it's painful. You know, it, it hurts. And again, much why uh, divorce is such a painful thing. You know, you, you've lived with someone for however long, five, 10, you know, anything over 10 years, it's, it's gut wrenching. You know, you get into the 20 year marriages that end 25, 30 years and they end. Oh, I mean, you know, you'll think initially you're, you're never going to recover, you know, I'm never going to get over this. I'm never going to. And I, I think I may have mentioned this in the first episode, but you know, there, there is this, 
biological connection. You know, you, if you've been with someone over 10 years, you know, you, you're, you're sleeping with them. You're, you're of course exchanging bodily fluids with them. You know, you, you can finish their sentence. You, you often know what they're thinking. Um, I mean, the, there's a definite entanglement or, 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 um, I don't even know another word. I mean, you're, you're, you've, you're entangled, you're together. I mean, you're, and, and to divorce is to, it's to really rip something that was molded together and ripping that apart. I mean, there's no way there's not going to be uh, heartache and, and damage and especially, um, uh, you know, emotional damage, which then can sometimes lead to physical um, issues. And so whew, you, you want to do the best you can to, to handle all that stuff the best you possibly can. I mean, it'd be like breaking, you'd be like breaking, you'd be having a compound fracture, you know, and saying, nah, I'll just leave it alone and let it, let it heal on its own. No, you know, I mean, at least I think what a compound fracture is where your bone actually pops out of the skin. So, you know, can you imagine just, just let it heal. <laughs> so why don't you wear jeans anymore? Yeah. Because of this bone is sticking out. <laughs> it's like, I never went to the doctor. I just let it heal with time, you know, with time, all things heal. That's not true. That's actually not, not accurate that, that with time, uh, things can heal, but they don't always heal correctly. So, that's why counseling, coaching, therapy is so important. So it's like going to the doctor if you break your, you know, compound fracture on your femur bone. You know, you want to get it put back in the underneath the skin. <laughs> you know, you want to get it, whatever, you know, whatever. They put a rod in it, you know, screws and like fix it, right? Fix it correctly so that when it went with time, then it heals uh, in, in a much better way, right? There's still going to be a scar. There still might be some pain down in there. Right. You know, I have a friend that anytime the weather's anytime he knows when it's going to rain, he always knows when it's going to rain because his, his, you know, his arm starts, his elbow starts hurting, you know, rain's coming. And so I, I think that there will always be, um, some, some, um, uh, something, you know, there that, that reminds you of, of the pain of the past from a divorce. Okay. So a couple things. One of the things that the reason we want to do this is, is, and, and if you plan on ever getting married again, you want to make sure you're, you're bringing your best self to the table and not just for a partner, but also for yourself. You want to be the best version of yourself for yourself. You want to be the best version of yourself for your future partner. And uh, ultimately you don't want to, you know, recreate the same mistakes that you had in the past, you know, and, and that's important. And, you know, a therapist, a good one can, can dig into that stuff and, and kind of help you uh, navigate those, those waters in, in a healthy way. Um, all right. So when it comes to dating after divorce, like literally the act of dating, um, and this is a question, you know, it's funny. I, I used to talk about this, you know, before I went through a divorce, I used to talk about this, um, with people a lot. And I have to admit, I, I've, you know, I've changed my tune now that I'm firsthand experience, um, firsthand now I'm experiencing this firsthand. I've had, uh, kind of to, to face my own words and, and face my own beliefs and to face my own advice and, and really look at it. And so, uh, matter of fact, I, I just heard a, a, a podcast, um, uh, by Dr. Henry cloud, which if you're not familiar with him, um, I actually met him actually. Anyway, uh, look up some of his videos. He has some pretty good stuff, you know, and I was surprised at, um, some of his advice. I'm surprised in the sense of, I would have been surprised in a bad way years ago, but now it was refreshingly surprising. I, it was, I was refreshed by his thoughts and his input because I would have used, used to years ago, I would have said, take a month for every year you were married. Well, you know, if you were married for any length of time, <laughs> you're going to be single for a long time uh, or, or, you know, not dating. Well, now, now what I would say is I think, yeah, a, a month for every year that you were married before you would ever get like married or engaged or even move in with someone that I would still agree with. Now, you know, that I would, I would agree with. 
um, you know, I, I think to, to get divorced and then the next year you're getting married to someone else. I mean, you know, um, again, I, I definitely try not to judge and people, you know, I, yeah, I'm just learning in my journey. You can't judge. I, I can't, and I really can't. I don't know what some what is going on in someone's mind. I don't know how far they are in their healing journey. Maybe they're healed. Maybe they've gone through, you know, who knows? I, I don't know. Uh, all I can know is myself, right? That's truly all we can know is ourself. And, and well, truly that's all who we can know with possibility, right? That's what, what I hope is that all of us get to know ourselves better uh, in this journey. So that again, when we get back out in the dating world. So I used to say, like I said, one month for every year. And now I would say, if you go through some kind of a divorce recovery counseling, you know, if you do the coaching, the therapy, that can definitely cut that in half, at least, um, at least, you know, I, I would say f that for every uh, year you were married, you need to give whatever, a certain amount of time, uh, whatever that might be, and whatever. And so it's not that you have to wait forever to ever go on a date again. Um, clearly, uh, my advice is uh, wait for sure until you're divorced. Like for sure, don't start getting in a committed relationship with someone before you're divorced. Uh, I think that, you know, you need to legally be divorced before you start getting, trying to get serious with someone. Um Again, but you know, this isn't about separation or whatever, but I know that, you know, couples that have gotten separated and they're, they've already filed for divorce will, will get out and date and different things. And, that, you know, I don't necessarily have a problem with that, especially if the divorce has already been set in motion and, you know, you're living separately and you're doing your own thing. Um, I don't have, I, I personally think you just need to guard your heart. You know, I think that there's an ancient text that says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. All the issues of life flow from our heart. And so I think it's a, it's critically important to, to guard our hearts in this process and to you know, know thyself and know that to be consciously aware, you know, deciding ahead of time, I'm not going to get serious with anyone until I know I'm ready emotionally. And that's been something I've been saying to myself personally and something that when I coach others, I say it all the time. I work with a lot of people that I have a lot of clients that are recently divorced or going through a divorce. And, and I say the same thing. You know, I say the same thing. I said, make sure uh, you're, you're guarding your heart. Don't allow your heart to be too out there because you're too vulnerable right now. You're too fragile and you, you, you don't want to make a poor decision because your, your heart's not fully healed and, or at least, you know, really, really, really on the way of, to being healed. And, and sometimes, you know, this can take time. I mean, it can take months and years and it just depends, right? It just depends on everybody heals differently. You know, some, some people can get a cut on their arm and it heals up overnight. Right. it's like, it's like Wolverine quickly healing, uh, other people, you know, it, it takes more time. And so it just depends on what you're doing to help that process. So I'm, here's a question I'm asked a lot. Can I date after divorce? I've only been divorced for a month. Well, of course. I mean, you, you can do whatever you want. Of course you can. Of course you can. There's no rule book that says you can't. I mean, if you're divorced, of course you can date. What I'm saying is guard your heart. So I know for me, um, last year, it started out with, hey, I can have friendships, I can have coffees, you know, very surface level kind of stuff. I didn't want anything. Uh, one, I didn't want anything serious because I was still in the thick of, of going through the heartache and the pain. And so I had no room to be serious. Um, and had no desire to be serious. And what's fascinating is this. Here's what I've learned. Honesty is, honesty is always the best policy. <laughs> 100%. I'm a big fan of honesty and openness. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm growing and have grown in that area 100%. And, and 
it, it, it to me, 100% full disclosure, honesty, openness is, is critical in having a healthy, happy, healthy relationship for sure. And so I would just tell people, you know, when I'd meet someone and say, hey, you want to grab coffee? And if they agreed, um, you know, what are you looking for? You know how the conversation goes when you're on a first date, you know, what are you looking for? What are you? And I would always say, listen, hey, I, I just went through a divorce. I'm in no position um, or condition to uh, be serious. And so, um, you know, let's let's have coffee. Let's enjoy each other's company and, you know, let's get get to know each other. Uh, but let's let's keep it casual for the sake of you know your heart, my heart. And so I'm coming to the end of this little first 30 minute segment. I'm going to take a little quick, short break. I promise not a four hour break, just a quick break. Come right back and we'll finish up this talk on dating after divorce. All right, back for the conclusion of the talk that I started. What? Yesterday? <laughs> a couple <of> days ago. <laughs> Dating after divorce. Uh, did that first episode and got a lot of good feedback and felt like I I uh, needed to tie up some loose ends. And so uh, that's why this episode is coming out or, or came out or <laughs> is coming out, will be out. Lord help me. <laughs> uh, I unfortunately just recorded the first 30 minutes that you just listened to. That was, again, about four hours ago or more. <laughs> I keep trying to get this all done, and then I get I get busy with appointments and things. And uh, So uh, let me just tie up some loose ends and hopefully make sense of this. So this makes for a good uh, part two to dating after divorce. Um, all right, let's be real succinct and, and just write this let's go right down my list here rather than going all over the place. So in regards to dating after divorce, I think I've made it pretty clear. You need to take time to heal, take time, take time to care for yourself and do the healing work, you know, before you get, before you go jumping into anything else. All right. So here we go. Seven things. Number one, be kind to yourself. You know, I think one of the most difficult things that that I experienced in in my divorce um, was the guilt and the shame and the you know the 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 kind of like the beating yourself up. You know, you're you're disappointed in yourself and you feel like you've disappointed others, and you know you can kind of go through that little little bit of a a darkness phase. You know, depending. I mean, I, I'm being very personal now with my my personal story. Um, but there were some dark days, you know, that, that followed, um, my divorce, like some really, really dark days. Like my, you know, the date of my divorce was not like a celebration and, you know, I didn't celebrate with my friends. I didn't, you know, you know, I, I cried myself to sleep kind of a thing. I, I wasn't, I wasn't in the mood to, to, uh, celebrate or party. It was a very sad day. And so, you know, when you go through a divorce, um, you really got to be kind to yourself and, and give yourself a break. You know, you're even and especially if you were the one that messed up the marriage, you know, if you were the one that that betrayed your partner, um, I, I think I think more so that person has to be kind to themselves because, you know, they're, they're the bad one, you know, they're, they're the rotten one. And, you know, they're the one that they're the one that threw, threw away the marriage, you know, they're the one that, you know, whatever. So it, it, you have to be really, really kind to yourself, um, post-divorce and, you know, give your, you know, have some celebrations and, and, you know, take and, you know, enjoy it. It, it, it. Again, it is what it is. And I don't mean enjoy it, like fake it and just, yay, I'm excited. I don't mean that. What I mean is just, you know, be kind to yourself, still do things you love, you know, don't, don't, don't let yourself get depressed. Um, you know, it seems that I've, I've heard uh, that a lot of people, you know, go through uh, depression uh, following a, a divorce and, you know, it is what it is, but, 
that's not helpful. You know, d- depression's not a helpful thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very against depression, <laughs> you know, just like I'm against, <laughs> you know, prescription drugs. I'm against, uh, anxiety and depression and worry. And like, I mean, obviously anything that's not awesome, I'm not for it. Now, do we experience it? Well, of course we're humans. Of course we do, you know, but we should try to do everything we can to, to, uh, um, not succumb, you know, to that, um, emotion. Um, does that make sense? Again, we should succumb to our emotions, but what I mean is the, you know, like don't allow ourselves to be depressed. I don't think depression is an emotion. I don't think anyway, I'll need to think about that later. All right. Number two, only do what you're ready for. Only do what you're ready to do. Just only do what you're ready to do. Don't be pressured into getting serious with someone, you know, like if you're not ready, just because they're ready doesn't mean you need to be ready. Okay. This is an important piece. I know that I experienced this like personally, um, be, you know, I've always been very honest with everybody. Uh, just like, I'll, matter of fact, that's one of my points, um, you know, saying, Hey, I just recently got divorced. So I, I, I'm at this time and this is earlier on. Uh, but even, you know, I'm like, hey, listen, I, I I can't be serious right now. You know, I'm still healing, and then you know, a couple of weeks in, you know, they're they're expecting more from me than I'm willing to give, and um, you know, thankfully I I you know know this material, don't always live it, but I know it, and I kept just hearing myself say, Timmy, only do what you're ready to do, buddy. Like you don't, there's no, I don't care what what she wants. Like you just do what you're ready to do and don't do anything else. And when you're ready, then you go there. Okay. All right. Number three, don't jump into a serious relationship too fast. I think that's really partly what I just talked about. So no point in talking more about that. Number four, be open and honest. Uh, totally 100%. You know, I, encourage people don't ever tell a girl obviously when i'm coaching guys unless they're gay uh, but when i'm coaching someone and i and i'll say hey always be open and honest if you're only looking for a hookup then tell her that like don't tell her you want to get married so that you can get something from that person see that's deceptive and that's lying and if you want that will slow down your healing. The thing that will slow down your healing of your own heart will be to lie. Lying will will not help you in your healing journey. It will delay it inevitably. So any forms of lying. So even this, right? Desperation leads to lying. You know, when you're desperate, you've met someone and they're kind of wanting to get serious and you're not ready to be serious, but you don't want to lose them. So you kind of, you know, right? That's, that's lying. Why? Because that's desperation. You're, you're desperate to not lose someone. You've got an attachment issue, right? I mean, you just met this person, but you're right off a divorce. Didn't think anybody else could love you. Someone's showing, showing you love and you fall for it. You know, you got to be careful, you know, be honest about your feelings. You know, obviously not the first date, right? I'm not saying you, everything I'm talking about is like the first date, you know, but when you've, you know, like you're, you've gone out a few times and you're kind of connecting with this person and, you know, whatever. I mean, as it progresses, I think you should be very open uh, about it. Um, you don't want to be caught in a situation where you, you're lying and, and people will say, well, I was forced to lie. No, you're not. You're never forced to lie. You can always tell the truth. The problem is you don't want the consequences of the truth, right? You you meet this girl and you you don't want to tell her you're only available for a hookup because if you did, then she'd walk away, you know, but you need to let her walk away. You'd rather have her walk away by being honest than stay because of, of lying. I'm telling you guys, I'm trying this. What I'm telling you right now <laughs> would really, really, really help you. And, you know, that's the only reason I even share this. Why else would I be this personal except to to just hopefully offer some information that if, if you, you know, I'm not saying do everything I say, but I'm just saying it, just consider it, you know, consider it, think about it. All right. Number five, work on your own shit. It's important. Like I mentioned earlier, um, don't speak evil of your ex. 
there is no benefit in doing that at all. Um, I, I'm not even of the, of, of the, um, mindset that, you know, my friends or my family, I'm, I'm not going to speak evil of my ex to anyone. Now, when I'm in therapy or if I'm in a coaching counseling session, um, I will express my frustrations or my, my, uh, disappointments, uh, you know, whatever. Right. I mean, I'm going to be very open and revealing to at least what I'm thinking or struggling with, with my counselor, because that's how they can help me. You know, that's how my counselor can, can help me is by, um, me being, uh, raw, you know, unfiltered. Uh, and it stays, it stays in the office, you know, and, and a lot of the reasons I do that, or I believe in that, um, and don't believe in doing that outside is for this reason, a therapist is, is a trained specialist to know how to handle that. You know, they're not taking the info as, as gossip or slander or just hate mongering. They take it as you're just telling them what you feel and therefore they can help you. So to me, that, to me, that's important. You know, if you thought your ex was lazy or non-sexual or, um, didn't do enough or was gone too much or like whatever, whatever, uh, angst that, that you have, whatever disappointments that you may have had in your partner, it does no good to tell that to your family or your friends. Okay. It does no good to repeat that. Number one, that's just your opinion and just your side of it. And so that's so it's such an unattractive trait. Anytime I've ever gone out with anyone that has done that to me, you know, uh, where they're just bashing their ex, (laughs) that's the only date that they're getting with me. That's it. I'm not hanging out with them. I think that's just terrible, but in the context of a counseling or therapy session, 100% do that so that, so that your therapist can kind of help direct you and help you process your angst against your ex. Right. And they can do it in a helpful, healthy way. Whereas your friends are like, yeah, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. She's a bitch. Yeah. You know, all they're doing is, is, is agreeing with you, you know, Hey, I'll tell you what, my my ex-husband was a little, 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 little. Oh, yeah. And all your girlfriends are like, uh-huh, he was. So was mine. <laughs> That's not helpful. Okay? It's, it's just not helpful for, you know, for honestly, and I mean this genuinely, who cares about your ex in the sense of what they think about that? I'm not talking about how it's going to impact them. You know, they may never know. They don't know that you're gossiping about them or slandering them. It's not about them. It's about you. It's about me, right? We're accountable to ourselves. I'm accountable for what I say. It doesn't matter about my ex. I'm accountable to what I say. And so if I choose to slander and gossip and talk bad about, that doesn't affect my ex. That affects me poorly. And, and I, I highly recommend that we, we don't behave that way. It's just, a, it's such an unhealthy way to behave. So back to my point, work on your own shit. Okay. Look in the mirror, keep your eyes on your own page. Okay. All right. Lastly, number seven, I think, no, is this is number six. What is this? Number Yeah. All right. Whatever number I'm on, (laughs) number six, take ownership. That goes, that goes along with work on your own shit too. Take ownership. What part did I play in the demise of this relationship? And I think I've already mentioned this, but it's worthy of being mentioned again. And maybe it was in the one I mentioned that it got deleted or not that got deleted. I deleted it because it got messed up is, you know, taking ownership. What part did I play in the demise of the relationship and don't be a narcissistic person by saying, well, well, where I went wrong in my relationship is I was just too nice, too loving, too supportive and too awesome. I was just too perfect. Okay. 
you can you can tell that that upsets me. <laughs> and here's why, because I've coached people and I've worked with people, right? Lots of people. And when I hear people say that, I've had clients say that. Like, well, 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 you know, tell me about your divorce. What happened? What led to your divorce? And when someone does that, when they're like, I was just too available, too much. I was just too awesome. <laughs> that is the most narcissistic, self-centered. What other word can I throw in there? Um, ignorant statement you could ever make. It's so self-inflating. The thing I did wrong was I was too good. Really? That's not taking ownership. Okay. Taking ownership is I wasn't attentive, uh, sexually. Uh, I, I, uh, um, I didn't help enough around the house. Um, I worked too much and never spent time at home. Um, I like that's honest. Okay. That's like taking ownership. Not, I was just too awesome and that's what I did wrong. Yeah. No, I can tell you, right. Just from that comment alone, I would know what partly what you did wrong is <laughs> you weren't self-aware. That was one thing. And, uh, that's a big thing. So it, taking ownership is really one of the, the most important steps in recovery, um, uh, from a divorce to be able to find yourself in a good place to be able to date. If you can't take ownership, then I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. You know, if, again, I, I, all I can do is, is use my personal life as an example. If I met someone, if I went on a date on, with someone and they, a, of course, bashed on their ex and kind of in a way was, was projecting the idea that they were the victim, they were the perfect partner and their, their ex was the one that messed it all up, <laughs> uh, that there would be no second date. There would be no second date for me. Um, because there are always two sides to every story. Always, 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 always. And your side is just that that's your side, right? Then what is that? What's that quote? There's, there's your side, there's their side, then there's the right side. <laughs> that's, that's the truth, right? That's, that's the honest truth. The honest truth is each has a story to tell, but somewhere between the two lies the truth. All right. And last final number seven, I think if I got this right, turn into the pain, don't try to escape it. Turn into the pain. This was probably one of the biggest life lessons for me in my healing journey. This, this was, uh, enlightening. It was eye opening for me because for whatever reason, my personality is, I'm an eternal optimist. The glass is always half full. Uh, if anybody's getting raises, I will definitely be getting a raise. If people are getting laid off work, I definitely won't get laid off work. If there's a parking spot up front, I'll definitely get it. You know, I mean, that I just think that way. And because I think that way to a fault, my typical behavior is it's all good. There's no problem. It's all good. It's great. It's great. It's all good. It's all good. And now, just because someone says it's good doesn't mean that it's it's not. I mean, it, you know, so when I say I'm really doing great on my healing journey, you know, I'm 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 done with the the you know, the deception of that. Uh, I am in the midst of my healing journey, but I am doing way better than I was, <laughs> right? Uh last year was my dark night of the soul. 2020 has been great in the sense of emotionally outside of, you know, all the other stuff going on in the world right now. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's great. So, okay. 
uh, turn into the pain. So for me, the, this was one of the most important, this is one of the keys to my recovery. Okay. The key to my, um, yeah, I guess not being in a curled up in a ball in the corner of my apartment, sucking my thumb and crying every day. And that is to turn into the pain. My journey, which I'll do another episode on this maybe, but my, I lost my younger sister to a drug overdose, extremely painful. Um, and I'll be honest, I didn't turn into the pain. I just tried to escape it and just, I don't even know. I did cry some, but I, it's like, I didn't really even let myself cry. I didn't let myself turn into that pain. Well, just like anything, when you hold something in like that, it, it doesn't, it doesn't create good stuff. And, and then it wasn't too many years later that my, my papa died. My grandpa died now, granted, you know, he was older, older people die. That's the way life goes. Right. So it's not like it was anything that was out of order. Uh, he was 80, 88, 89. And so, you know, he lived a good full life. Uh, I had a lot of great, great times with him my whole life, but also especially, you know, towards the last couple of years, I got to spend some time with him. So and this is this is not a justification for anything. I'm I'm just telling you a little bit about my story so that you can understand the importance of turning into your turning into the pain. So when I started going through the counseling, uh, you know, right before the d- divorce was actually final, and then of course, you know, uh, once it was final, uh, still going to counseling. My last couple sessions, it was becoming aware to me. It was becoming I was becoming very aware of my dysfunctions. There was, you know, some dysfunctions. Hey, what do you know? I'm not perfect. Uh, but I was becoming aware of some dysfunctions. And so when those were pointed out to me, of course, you know, I wanted to really, I wanted to get after it. You know, for me, I'm, I'm one of those people that if something's wrong, man, I want to get in there. I want to fix it. I'm not, I don't want to stay broken. I'm just like, no heck way I'm doing that. No way. I'm not going to stay broken, take pills to no, 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 no. I, I want to feel all the feelings. I want to deal with the emotions. I want to handle it. I do not want to take a drug to mute my emotions. So anyway, I came to the realization that this was one of my issues that I, I didn't allow myself to turn into the pain. You know, I, I, I just didn't. So anyway, I learned to do that. And, oh my gosh, it was rough at first because it was like anytime there was uh, pain or heartbreak, you know, I would, my, my counselor was like, turn into it. You know, I'll never forget one time I called her, uh, my, my, uh, counselor and, um, you know, I was just, I was having trouble breathing. Like, you know, I was having a little bit of anxiety, um, just over everything, you know, the, the, you know, just the whole thing, right. The, the the falling apart of my family kind of a thing is how I felt, you know, it's like the, 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 it was just falling apart. It was all because of me. And I was just finding it hard to breathe. You know, my, my chest was hurting and, and you know, the feeling maybe you've, if you've ever had an anxiety attack or like a panic attack, it was like that, you know, it was like, I almost, I just like, I couldn't hardly breathe. You know, I felt like I might pass out. I mean, it just, which is very odd for me because I don't like feeling that way. Usually I would just snap myself out of it. But my counselor said, turn into it. So I actually pulled over off the side of the road. I called my counselor, uh, you know, and I was trying to do my escape stuff, which is I turned to humor. And so I started just saying some funny stuff to my counselor and and she (laughs) got after me and said, Timmy, there you go again. You're trying to escape the pain. I want you to turn into it, yada, yada, yada. And oh my gosh, I turned into it and I turned into a bawling baby. I was in my car on the side of the road, just bawling like a, I was a blubbering baby. I mean, snot was shooting out of my nose, water's going everywhere out of my eyes. I mean, it was a, it was a mess. I was a mess. And I only say that, okay, I need to stop. But the, (laughs) I say that to say, you know, that's something new for me. I don't like pain. Okay. I don't. I don't like unhappiness. I don't like anxiety. I don't like anything yucky at all. Okay. It's probably one reason why I don't like scary movies. I don't like being scared. I don't like fear. And which, you know, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Cause I, <laughs> I don't, I don't think we should like 
negative emotions, but they're, they're a part of life, you know, so they're real. So you, you can't ignore them, Timmy, right? <laughs> so this whole turning into the pain, well, it worked wildly different than I would have thought. I thought, you know, if I turn into this pain or I turn into this heartbreak, I'm going to cry and not be able to ever stop crying. Like I'm going to be like a mess. Like I can't live life like this. I can't live life just broken hearted and just sad and just, you know, can't talk without crying. I can't live like this. Well, it worked actually the opposite. What happened was, is dealing with it and turning into it is, it was like, I opened up the, it's like, how can I, how would it, let me see. It's like, it's like something's getting ready to, to blow. It's like, you're okay. It's like you're boiling some water in a teapot. Right. And it, it, it'll start whistling, but if you take the top off, you know, it'll just boil and it just kind of lets the pressure off. Right. And, and eventually it's fine. So what I, what I learned, and of course my counselor, you know, helped me see this. Uh, but what I learned is when, when I went ahead and turned into the pain and did cry and did, you know, get mad, punch the pillow, break stuff or whatever, I whatever, like what, I, when I turned into it, it was so much more of a cleansing. Like it worked as more of a cleansing. It, it helped the pain, excuse me. It helped the pain to work through me rather than to get backed up. Does that make sense? It, it just helped. It helped to, um, cl yeah, cleanse and wash me rather than bottlenecking it and blocking it. You know, when you, when you don't allow for the pain to work through you, you bottle it up and here's what it did to me anyway. What is it, What it did is because I didn't deal with my pain, it led to negative behaviors and, and that's, and that's where the demise was for me. Like, well, that's my, my personal demise, the breakdown of, of me, the breakdown of Timmy happened as a result of all the different pains that I was going through. Again, this isn't my excuse. This is just the truth. Um, I mean, just my story. And because I didn't turn into all the different things that I, the pains I had in my life. Um, I just tried to escape them. And because of that, it ended up, uh, you know, there's the steam had to come out somewhere and it ended up coming out, um, in not the healthiest of ways. So, uh, turning into the pain. Absolutely. And so, yeah, just to bring my little story to an end, as I began to, to turn into the pain and as I now allow myself to feel pain and heartache, uh, it has it's wild. It, it's just so healing. It's like I'll experience something. And when I just let myself feel it, I go there emotionally, I work it out, I journal it, whatever I do. And, you know, I just let it work through me. It, it's like it, it cleanses me. It's more of a cleansing effect than nope, I'm just going to do this and busy myself with activities, or I'm just going to busy myself with this, or I'm just going to do this or do that and, and distract myself, you know, that's, that's, those are unhealthy practices, distractions, whether it's your phone distractions, social media, whether it's activities, whether it's social life, whether it's sex, whether it's drugs, alcohol, I mean, there's so many different ways that we can sabotage our own healing and, and slow the journey of self-discovery and healing, uh, by engaging in activity that, um, doesn't allow us to, to cleanse ourselves of the pain and the heartache, uh, that it, it more blocks it up. Yeah. You know, it, it would honestly be like the, the example I gave in the first part of this is, you know, if you broke your femur, you know, had a compound fracture and the bone sticking out of your body, you know, if every day you kept, you know, putting dirt and sand in the wound, I mean, <laughs> it's just going to slow down the healing process. You know, it, it's just not going to heal correctly. And so when we uh, don't allow the cleansing effects of tears or, or of whatever emotion that you're feeling, when we don't turn into it and allow it to happen, here's, <clears throat> excuse me, here's what my counselor said is giving yourself space, like, like holding space for yourself, you know, whatever, whatever space you need to hold for yourself to allow yourself to be cleansed and healed um, 
is just really a critically important piece of the puzzle in getting to a stage of being ready to date though you are divorced, right? You, you'll you get there, right? We'll, we'll all get there. We'll, we'll, life's a journey, right? It's not a destination. It's a journey, you know, but, but what's important is that we journey well, you know, we journey well. Guys, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Make sure to subscribe. Give me a five star on the Apple podcast app uh, or uh, however you can do it. I know that on my phone, you just scroll, you know, just scroll down or scroll up, whatever. And there's the opportunity to give five stars. If you could do that, I'd really, really appreciate it. Guys, have a great one and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye.